for a few moments, would you turn with me to Psalm 50? I quote this psalm a lot, and I've come to discover that there is a key in this psalm that underscores, accentuates, that is the foundation for every promise of God to help and deliver. There's a principle here that if we miss it, you can build your faith, you can fast until they can stick you through a keyhole, you can pray until you have no voice left and not get an answer. Because they were doing a lot of these things. They were offering the proper sacrifices that God himself had ordained to be offered. Israel was offering them. It's amazing when the blessing doesn't come, how people begin to question and accuse God. They never seem to come to the place that they're willing to question themselves and let God tell them what needs fixing. How many's ever had a car breakdown? How many has ever been not able to fix it yourself? How many has, has uh, condescended and humbled yourself enough to take it to a mechanic who's certified and put it on a machine that you don't have, amen, to tell what, what's wrong because they're a lot more complicated. When I, when I got married, I had a 54 Pontiac straight eight. I owned it for 24 hours until it broke down. Amen. <laughs> but I, I used to drive it before I owned it. Dad gave it to me for a wedding present, a 54 Pontiac straight eight. And it was simple. There's a fuel pump. You take the old one off, you stick the other one on. There's a, there was no alternator. There was a generator. There was a coil that had one part of the electrical system, and, and you could tell when it was going bad because when it got hot, it would quit. When it cooled off, it would crank back up until it got hot and quit again. I used to drive until it quit again, until I got the money to get a coil. Amen. <laughs> My daddy uh, let me drive it, so I became responsible for part of the maintenance of it. I used to pull into a service, to, to date myself, I used to pull into a service station and ask, ask for a dollar's worth of gas. That's all I needed to go and see. See Pamela. Amen. Amen. And this is full service. The guy would come out and he'd check your oil, check the air in your tires, uh, wipe your windshield, and, and give you the gas. And he did all that for $1 worth of gas. That brought, bought, bought me a little over three gallons of gas for the Pontiac. And he used to come out and say, where are you going today, son? Miami? I said, no. No, I don't think I'll make it to Miami on a dollar's worth. He was a very, very nice guy to do all he did for the car for a buck. Amen. But when things go wrong, you take it to someone who is certified, who knows how to fix it. And Israel wanted to know what's wrong. Something's wrong. Isaiah 58 is all about that. Why is it that we're fasting and you're not listening? Why is it that we're praying and you're not answering? What's wrong? What's wrong? God, what's wrong? What's wrong with you? They never asked one time what's wrong with us. Because he was trying to tell them through the prophets what was wrong. He wanted to fix it. God wanted to fix it. God is a fix-it man. If he were a man. He made you. They tell me that, that on the Rolls Royce, I don't know nothing about Rolls Royces, but they tell me if you buy a Rolls Royce and you let anybody touch it but the certified Rolls Royce mechanic, the uh, warranty is null and void. 
you have to take it to someone who is certified and knows exactly how to fix it. Or somebody's going to mess it up and they ain't going to pay for it. I don't know what you do if you have to ship it somewhere. They must have somebody here, someplace here. You had a car that was hard to work on except somebody was certified, didn't you? What was it? The Mitsubishi? Amen. It was hard to find. You can't take it to a shade tree mechanic. He don't know how to fix it. You had to take it to the expensive one. Amen. (laughs) To To the guy that is certified. God gave me an automobile. I loved it because it was a luxury automobile. It was a wonderful automobile. If it just kept running, I'd still be driving it. Amen. It was really neat. It was an older model Buick Riviera. 2002, I think they quit making them in 2005. But that thing was sharp. I looked all day for the battery one day. I looked everywhere I could conceive of and found out there was so much stuff under the hood. The battery was under the back seat. I looked in the trunk. I looked under the hood. I crawled down and laid down and looked up under the car. I couldn't find no battery nowhere and finally got out a little book there that tells you all about your car. Amen. We got a little book right here that tells us all about what God requires, what he will do, what he won't do, what he likes and what he hates. Can you say? Amen. Hallelujah. And we need to read that thing sometime. If all else fails, read the instructions. Christmas is coming up. There's always the nightmare of putting something together that comes. And it always says some assembly required. Amen. And it says, you know, it's simple. takes about 30 minutes. Don't you believe it? And, and, and unless you're very brave and very mechanically inclined, don't just jump in there without first reading the instructions. I did that with some chairs. I put together chairs for a table that we bought. And I thought, how can it go any other way? There's no point in reading this. There's, there's legs on it. And, and when I put them together, the legs went the wrong way. And I thought, what is wrong? I took it back to the furniture store because it didn't look right and it didn't sit right. And the guy said, the legs are on the wrong side. I said, how can they be on the wrong side? They're exactly alike. He said, well, it's when you turn. And he he took one of these little electric screwdrivers and unscrewed them and put them where they ought to be, and it looked just perfect. I said, well, I got three chairs I got to fix at home. I think there's one I haven't fixed yet. You know what I did? I put it where the table is up against the wall. I put it up against the wall and pushed the table up against it. I just haven't took the time. You, did he ever do things like that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes we need to listen to what the Lord has to say. Amen. So they're complaining. In Isaiah, you fixed it for him. My man, when you're coming out to my house. Fix that chair. Amen. So he says to Israel, they say to him, they always put it back on God. It's human nature. It's my nature. It's your nature. I pray. I believe. I quote the scripture. I bind the devil. I fast. I seek. I study. I follow Christ. So what's happening? Israel did the same thing. Prophets have been trying to tell them. What they needed to do, but they were not listening. Amen. They were not giving heed. They were doing all of the right religious stuff, but God has always been and will always be a God who looks at the heart. And the attitude has to precede the activity. If the attitude is incorrect, the activity is no. It's just like giving. If you give with the wrong attitude, even though you give a lot, and you sow a lot, 
financially. God is under no obligation to bless until you give it the right way. And the right way is not just how much you give, but how you give. If any man give, Paul said, let him give not out of necessity. You know, some churches, you can't be part of it unless you give them a financial report. Honestly, they require you to give them a financial report of all of your income. All of it, just like the IRS. And they figure the 10%. And they require you to do that. And if you do not, they're going to confront you. Someone's going to come to your home and say, you know something, you make this much per year, and we, our records show you've only given that much. You're way behind. And if you want to continue to be a member of this church, you've got to catch it up. In fact, one church required that you catch up from the time you began work. He's not the pastor there anymore. But anyway, that's what, honestly, honestly, and it's local. That, when, you know, when you got saved, that you owe him the back stuff before you got saved. Yes, yes, absolutely. That's what he took. Uh, maybe that's part of why he's not there anymore. I don't know. But they built a big church before he, you know. And it wasn't that issue. It was some other issue that came along that caused the, the problem in the church. And now it's, it's torn to the ground, just to let you know. It's, it used to hold 10,000 people, and it's torn to the ground. They're building something else there. But when you get off into those crazy things, that's, that's not what God is. But God is talking about attitude before proper religious action. And here's what he said. If any man give, let him not give grudgingly nor out of necessity. But willingly, for the Lord loves what... See, it's something in attitude had to precede the activity. The activity can be 100% correct and the attitude wrong, and God said, I won't receive it. Amen? So giving without the right heart attitude, though it be a lot, He said, I'm not obligated to bless that. Because it's not coming from the heart. One thing God requires, He requires everything that you offer Him to come from the heart. It has to be with the right heart attitude. Did you know everything you've done in His name that isn't done out of true love for Him and love for people is called wood, hay, and stubble. And it won't stand the scrutiny of God who knows the true ulterior motive. There's some people go to church and become ministers and all kinds of different names that they have and titles uh, to be seen of men and honored of men. Everything they do is for self-aggrandizement, even though the things they're doing look self-sacrificial and good. That's why the Bible said, though I give my body to be burned and have not love, that attitude and atmosphere of the heart, what does it profit? There's no greater sacrifice than that. And yet he said that sacrifice is unacceptable to me and it profits that person nothing. You just burned yourself up for nothing. Burned yourself out for nothing. If all that it is is to gain the... the what, what happens when you fast so people will think you're spiritual? What did Jesus say about that? Amen. He said when you fast, anoint yourself so that you don't look half dead. Amen. Because if you go around looking half dead, someone's going to ask, are you doing all right? Yeah, I'm, I'm in the fourth day of fasting. And they're saying, wow, you are so spiritual. So spiritual. He said, you know something? When you fast to be seen of men, you have your reward. You have their honor, their respect. You have the... 
He said, I'm not going to do anything in response to that. You have what you fasted to get, and that is to get people to look at you as some paragon of spirituality. He said, I don't honor that. I know why you're fasting. It is not to see the yoke broke. It's not to see people set free. It's not to see me glorified. It's to, to see you highly honored and respected. You've got, you got to keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Listen to me. Man looks on what? what we, the only thing we can see. You can't see my heart. I can't see yours. They can't see your heart with an x-ray machine. All they can see is the physical heart that beats and pumps blood. But they can't see the, the man in the man, the woman in the woman. But God does. And thank God that He does. Don't draw back from that. Amen. If He sees that you have the right intention in your heart, He will, he will work with you on the weakness of your flesh. If He sees in your heart that you want to serve Him, He will help you. He will extend grace to you. He will be patient and persistent with you. But if He knows that you don't have a heart to serve Him, there's nothing He can do until you do. And the only way you can have a heart to serve Him is begin to love Him enough to give Him your heart. Can you say amen? And serve Him from the heart. He was looking for something in the heart in Israel. <laughs> and He said, you shall not fast as you do this day to make your words and your prayers heard on high in Isaiah 58. He said, is this a fast that I have chosen to do what? Just what Jesus was talking about, to hang your head like a bulrush. An old, old plant that's bit over like that all the time. He said, no, your personal self-sacrifice without the right heart attitude is not going to bring any blessing from me. Why have we prayed and you haven't heard? They were really getting on to God. Why have, why have we fasted and you haven't responded to us? He said, do you want to hear it? Do you want to know why? He said, if you will take away from you. He said, first he started talking about their fasting. He said, you're fasting for the wrong reason. You're fasting for the wrong purpose. You're practicing your religion. And you should. Because this is the right religion. But you're in the wrong relationship with me. And religion will never. And the practice of it will never take the place of a right relationship with God. When Israel was right with God, nothing could hurt them. Nothing could harm them. One angel would kill 185,000 troops set on their destruction. Just one angel. And the Bible said the angel of the Lord encampeth round about them that love him and fear him. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. God, God is for you. If God is for you, see, that's the whole issue of every victory or lack of it. If God be for you, I want to, I want to make sure that God is for me. I can't twist his arm with my faith, with my profession, my confession, but I can do things. Oh, instead of getting God to bless what you're doing, let's find out what God is blessing. And start doing it. Wherefore we have prayed. You have not is. Listen. We have cried unto you. And you have not answered. He said you will not fast as you do this day. To make your name heard on high. To get God to honor your prayer. Is not this the fast that I have chosen to hang? Is this the fast that I've chosen. To just be self-sacrificial without the right attitude. Toward me and your heart. 
He said, if you take away from among thee the putting forth of the finger. Come on, they're accusing God. They're accusing each other. They're never stopping to take a good, healthy introspect. That's what Jesus said to the church of Laodicea. I'm rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing. He said, he said you're poor, you're miserable, you're blind, and you're naked, and you can't see it. But I'm telling you, anoint your eyes with eye salve so that you can see. See what? See what's wrong with me. I can see what's wrong with him. Amen? Really, I can't hardly see anything wrong with him. <laughs> he said, I'm not looking hard enough. I'm just trying to be gracious. He can see what's wrong with me. Believe it or not. I can see what's wrong with you. I can see what's wrong with you. If I hang with you long enough, I'm going to see something. Amen. If I just see you on Sunday, that's the best you. Drop by on Thursday afternoon and just show up. Where are you at? <laughs> Amen. How are you going to act then? We're all imperfect. We all have flaws. God, man looks on the outward appearance. God looks deeper. He looks, he looks always. This is, this is a, a spiritual law. This is a spiritual truth. God hasn't changed. Nothing has changed. That's why he looks upon the heart. The good news about that, if there's sin in the heart, he can see it. If the wrong attitude is in the heart, he knows it. He knows who's here to worship Him and who just came to church because, boy, if I get in trouble, I might need Him. So I better go to church every now and then. He knows who's here because you love Him. And you want to worship Him. He knows who would have stayed home if you didn't need Him so bad. Amen? Some people are looking for any little excuse not to be here. When they need their faith built up, when they need God so bad, but they just can't make it. He knows that. And He knows the ones that do make it if we would rather be somewhere else. Boy, everybody's going, oh, quit it, quit it, quit it. He knows there's nothing hid from the eyes of Him of whom we have to do. So whatever you think is hid, it's not. Don't ever conceal sin. Don't ever cover it up. God knows it and He hadn't zapped you. God knows it and He's given you space for repentance. God knows it and He still loves you. Confess it so He can forgive it and bless you. Thank you for the patty cake. Come on, Elton John gets a better hand than that. <laughs> Don't He know it? Ain't no need to be fronting here at church in His presence. Amen? Amen? Come on, if Christians just quit fronting, there'd be a whole lot of repentance. And there'd be a whole lot of forgiveness and a whole lot of restoration. Can you say, man? Don't run from conviction. Let the Holy Ghost loosen your life. Let Him shine a light on what's wrong so God can fix it. Oh, the patty cake is... God would love to fix it for you. God would love to fix that broken relationship. Israel kept asking him these questions that are really 
accusations. Why are you unfaithful? Why aren't you answering? Why aren't you coming through? We're doing what you said to do. We're offering the correct sacrifices. We're burning the incense according to the formula you gave us. We're, we're offering the sin sacrifice. Why aren't you answering? We're fasting. Take away from thee the putting forth of the finger and the doing of thine own will on my day. Change your attitude and then the activity will change and the activity of obedience will be blessed but it begins with a fast that is not based on just food being denied some kind of self-sacrifice but the chosen fast is not letting the flesh have its way and it is not something you do on occasion to get an answer it's something you live out every day of your life amen And he said, if you will do this, he said, you'll be like a watered garden. He said, if you will do this, the light will shine. He said, I will be your rear guard. Satan ain't going to sneak up on you. Amen. I got your back is what he's saying. Hallelujah. When God has your back, you're not going to get ambushed by the devil and defeated because God will alert you. Amen. God will defend you. God will do everything necessary to grant you victory. But we have to deal with the heart in order for that to happen. There are people looking for excuse, anything to stay out of God's house, to get away from God's word. They love pleasure more than they love God because if they're doing something they love, They got the time, they got the money, they got the energy, they got the devotion, and they got the commitment. Lady used to come to our church on Saturday. She got up at daylight because she was a yard sale freak. She loved yard sales, and she knew where the good stuff was. And she knew that buyers that had shops to sell stuff, amen, secondhand, they were up at daylight. Because they, And she said, you know, I would go up and knock on a door at daybreak. Because it said garage sale. They hadn't put anything out yet. It was still in the garage. But she said, can I see what you got? And said some people would get mad at her. Some people would cuss at her for getting them up that early. She said, well, I saw the sign yard sale. Didn't say what time it started. <laughs> Just go get them out of bed and... Get first choice. Fishermen set their clock for five in the morning to drive to a lake to be there when the sun comes up. When the fish are eating breakfast. To get out on that lake. Set the clock for 5 a.m. If Terry was here, he would verify this. They never hear the clock go off. You know why they never hear the clock go off? Because they want to go so bad, they're looking forward to having such a good time. Their eyes just wake up without the clock going off. Set the clock for Monday morning to go to work. I used to have to set two clocks. (laughs) I put one by my bed and one under my bed. The one by my bed would go off and honestly, I'd be in such a sleepy stupor, I couldn't, I would turn it off and not remember turning it off. It didn't have a snooze button, it just on and off. You just, you touch it. It's off. I'd go right back to sleep, be late for work. But if I put one on by the bed, it began to bring me out of where I, wherever I was. 
And the one under the bed, I couldn't find it. I had to get out of bed and reach under there. And by then, I had no excuse for not waking up. Can you say amen? No more excuses being late for work. Cartoon day. How many recognize this? Some people probably should have it on your phone. Looney Tunes. Saturday. Cartoon day. Can't get my kids out of bed. Drug them out by the feet, literally, to go to school. Saturday morning, they can sleep in. I can sleep in. And what do I hear? As soon as the cartoons come on television, 7 in the morning, da-da-da-da-da-da-da. And I'm saying, what in the world? These are these guys that I can't get up. I can sleep. They can sleep. We can all sleep in. It's Saturday. We can't sleep in on Sunday. It's church. But this is Saturday. Friday, i got to get them up for school, Mom and me. This is Saturday. This is our sleep-in day. And I go in, and there they sit. There they sit in front of the television set, grinning like a big old possum. Amen. Yeah, possums grin. Take a good look at them sometime. <laughs> and I said, what are y'all doing up so early? They said, well, Dad, it's cartoon day. Some inner clock goes off. This is not going to be like school. This is not going to be like church. This is cartoon day. And we don't want to miss a minute of it. And in that motivation within, they just woke up. And I thought, Lord, I wish I could give them something on Saturday night. Something to just knock them out. <laughs> Amen. But I couldn't. People are motivated. When it comes from the heart, it don't matter what it is. There's a passion. There's something real. There's something that drives you. Amen. The love of Christ, Paul said, it's what motivates me. It drives me. It constraineth me. Glory be to God. God didn't see that anymore in Israel's heart. And when you go to the New Testament, one of the most commended churches for their stand for God was Ephesus. The commendations were perfect. Revelation chapter 2 and to the church of Ephesus write, I know thy works. And all of it was commendation. And they must have been not squirming at that point. Resting easy. He's just going to bless us. He said, but I've got something against you. All of your religious works, all of your, your, your everything you're doing is right except in your heart. Where I see before anything else, you've left your first love. You're not here because you love me. That's why I don't just tell you to love him. I beseech you by the mercies of God. I just try to get people to love him back for loving them so much. That's why I put such emphasis on the cross. Because if the cross is kept in view, it will melt your heart before the Lord. And, and how many how many's ever seen a depiction of the crucifixion that your heart just melted? You just, it broke your heart. When, when I ministered in Haiti, we went out into the boondocks. There was no electricity anywhere. In excess of 10,000 people came to those meetings. That's an amazing thing. Because we had, our vehicles were the only vehicle. There was no electric lights. And they wanted to start the crusade and the services 
by showing the Jesus Project. I love the Jesus Project. Not the Jesus Project. The, anyway, the Genesis, it's one of those. It was not the, that's, a, that's where they're trying to dispel and discredit everything about Jesus. And it really is a bad, negative thing. A bunch of eggheads that don't know Jesus from Adam's house cat. Can you say amen? But this, this guy had been an atheist. He went to the Holy Land to disprove the Bible. And he was using archaeological finds and digs to try to take away from it. And the more he tried to take away from it, the more he found it verified. And once he began to realize this, this is not like any other book in the world. And it can be verified uh, archaeologically, all of these places and events. Then he came to Christ, got into the New Testament, came to Christ, and he got a, a film out, filmed on location. And the beginning of it was the book of Genesis. And we had it on one of those big 16-millimeter reel projectors and hooked it to our sound system, cranked up a generator to run the sound system and the lights on the wooden platform, and took a bed sheet between two trees that had been cut and, and just stuck in the ground anyway. It was on a bed sheet so all these people could see it and begin to play the creation, the Genesis, the, the creation in Genesis. But to go from creation, when they saw animals, we were out to where there was illiteracy, there wasn't running water, there wasn't electric lights. We were way out in the dark part, literally, spiritually and otherwise, of Haiti. But when they saw animals that they had never seen, they'd never seen a giraffe. They'd never seen animals like, because it went... From creation to the ark and animals going two by two. And, and they said, oh, oh, you could, when 10,000 people gasp and say, ah, that, you could just hear it. They were astounded and amazed. And then when it went to Jesus on the cross, there was a collective moan went over that entire crowd. Oh, because they had never seen or heard of a man being crucified, nailed to the cross. And when they saw that depiction of Jesus on the cross, they began to weep when 10,000 people weep in concert. Without exception, they began to weep. And there's a sound and it's a heart-rending, heart-broken sound. And in French Creole, they knew this was about Jesus now. And they said, Oh, Jesus! Tears streaming down their cheeks. The preaching of the cross in the church today is a given. We know that. We've heard that. It doesn't move us to tears. It doesn't melt our hearts. And the first love. Because, have you ever heard the song, Jesus? Just the mention of His name. I preach a lot about returning to the first love, rekindling the first love. But did you know what? There are a lot of Christians, I am convinced, the longer I live, 
how can they rekindle the first love if they've never, ever had it to begin with? They have never fallen. They can't lose the first love because in their practice of religion, the way they think, it's never been presented in a way that they would fall in love with Jesus. They just begin to practice the right religion. But they're doing it with the wrong heart attitude. If a man loved me, what happens? He'll keep my commandments. Not because someone reads them over and over, but because of a, a love for Christ that melts the heart and a new nature through regeneration. The Bible said, I'm going to, Paul said, I'm going to provoke the Jews to jealousy in the right way. Because the Gentiles are doing by the new nature that that's contained in the law. Amen. They don't kill because someone threatens them if they do. They don't kill because you don't kill somebody you love. And you even love your enemies. Oh, please say it loud. Nobody else is going to say it. Amen. You must be working with that right now. Praise God. I work with it every day of my life. Love your enemy. Do good to them that despitefully use you. And what happens? You identify yourself with the Father. And you should be called the children of your Father. You're acting like your daddy. Not like the devil. Can you say amen? If a man love me, he will what? And they won't be what? Grievous. Oh, I'm a Christian. I can't have any fun. I'm a Christian. I can't party anymore. Hey, if you really become a Christian and you really fall in love with Jesus, amen, the biggest party that you would love is to get in His presence and joy in the Lord through Jesus Christ. Praise God. It's got to go beyond the practice of dead religion. There's got to be a relationship. And that's what God told ancient Israel. Amen. You're saying, God, why don't you do this? Why don't you do that? And he's saying, because you're doing everything right, but in your heart it is all wrong. And you need to get it worked on. You need to fix it. Here's an erroneous prayer to me. Lord, make us truly grateful for all these gifts. Make us grateful. Make us grateful. Can you really honestly believe that God, without you developing a heart of gratitude for all these done for you, that He's going to make you grateful? That He's going to wind you up with gratitude? And you're going to just serve God like a robot because He makes you grateful? He can't make you grateful. He won't make you grateful. But if you are grateful, He will stimulate that gratefulness. Remember that song? Who sung that song? Come on, old school. Somebody help me. That could be a few of you now. Okay? Amen. I'm not the only old school in here. How can I say thanks for all the things you have done for me? Things so undeserved. Was it Sinatra? Well, several people probably. It was a popular song. You what? You were just singing it. Sing a little bit of it. Because I don't sing it as well as you. Okay, you don't even want to do that. Allison. If you really have that in your heart, you don't have to be able to sing it. You can respond to His goodness. How can I say thanks for all the things that 
You're not the first one to ask that question. It was asked in ancient times of David himself and of Israel as a nation. What can we do to show you our gratitude? What shall I render to God for all His benefits unto me? Psalm 103 says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and how much? All that is within me. Bless His holy name. And what stimulated that attitude in David? I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall be continually in my mouth. It was gratitude. What stimulated that gratitude and that thanksgiving? He said, Because you heal, you forgive all of mine iniquities. I want you to think about where you would be. The Bible said if God marked iniquity, who could stand? If all of it was left in its place, if the blood hadn't wiped it away, if the blood hadn't cleansed us, every evil thought, every evil deed would be judged of Almighty God. Can you say amen? But thank God He forgives how much? All of our iniquity. Oh, where would I be? Amen. Eight going on nine, dying of leukemia. Where would I be? Amen. Without this. Who forgives all thine iniquity and heals all of thy diseases. Hallelujah. What? Oh no. If I get up and the cars broke down, I'm healed of cancer. Young man the other day in Taco Bell. He stacked up a bunch of trays. I came in. He went to move them over to wait on me at the register. And the trays fell out in the middle of the floor. They were all cleaned and wiped, and they all fell out in the middle of the floor, about 25 trays. I got down in the floor because he was behind the counter, began to throw them up on the counter so he could stack them. He said, sir, you don't have to do that. And he looked like he was just about to lose his mind. I thought, here you are, 22, 25 years old, and you're just about to blow a gasket because of, wait till you get really into life. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. <laughs> just wait. Just wait till you get down the road a ways. This ain't going to be nothing, son. You, this ain't nothing for you to get all bent out of shape about. <laughs> Stuff happens. That's, Amen. <laughs> and so I got it, helped him get it all stacked back up, and he was still nervous trying to wait on me. And he kept apologizing. Sir, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I said, young man, I said, I want to tell you something that will help you in life. <laughs> I said, <laughs> Don't sweat the small stuff. Amen. And when you find out what really is troubling, everything else is small stuff in comparison. Don't sweat it, man. It's okay. It's going to be all right. If Taco Bell fires you because you're a klutz, that's okay. Maybe somebody will hire you. Amen. That pays you more than Taco Bell. Amen. Be thankful. God looks for it. When you do everything right and nothing is happening, check your heart. Check your heart. If you give and there's no blessing in it, check your heart. Did you just give to get? Did you give because you love Christ and you love people and you want to see His kingdom furthered? Don't give grudgingly nor out of necessity. For the Lord loves a cheerful giver. The Greek word is hilaro. It's the word we get hilarious from. That means I love to do it so much it just, it just makes me so happy. My grandson won 
Christmas, we got him a, it was a keyboard, but it also could be used as a laser gun. It had all different sounds on it. It could go pow, 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 pow. It goes, I mean, stuff I can't do. I wouldn't want to push that button myself. But anyway, it, it had all those buttons. And when he first looked at it, it sounded just like a basic little old baby piano, but it had sounds on it, man. If you wanted to be Star Wars, it had Star Wars sounds. If you wanted to be out west, it had the sounds of guns going. You just press a button, and you could imagine anything, and you could hold it like a gun or use it like a keyboard. Oh, man, he didn't know what he had in his hands. Came to our, he's opened it under the Christmas tree, and he pulled it out. He took one look at it, hit one of the keys, and it sounded like one of them little baby pianos because he didn't know all it was going to do. And he said, I hate it. <laughs> and I held myself back. I wanted to grab that thing away from him, <laughs> I wanted to take it away, run down the street and find any kid in where we lived. <laughs> And say, here, if you'll appreciate it, you can have it. He don't appreciate it. He don't deserve it. I'm going to tell you something. But when he found out what he could do, and he started using it, he said, give me. Well, no, his sister took it. And she, she started messing with it and having fun with it. And then he wanted it back. <laughs> give me that. And I'm sitting there watching all this, and I'm thinking, boy, you just don't know how close you came to losing that thing. I don't want to give you no gift that you don't appreciate. I don't want to give you something that you don't have gratitude for. We're living in a generation that feels entitled, and when they come to God, they feel the same way. How can I give thanks for all the things you've done for me? What shall I render to God? Can you hear it? Can you hear it? For all His benefits unto me. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not His benefits, who oh, forgives all thine iniquity, who heals all thy diseases, who satisfies thy mouth with good things so that thy youth is renewed like the eagle and who delivers thy soul from destruction. Can you say man, you did not reward us according to our deeds. If you had it, we'd have been destroyed, but you didn't do that. You pardoned us. Praise God. And I'm going to praise you for it, David said, every day of my life with all that I am and all that I have. He had that kind of devotion because of God's moving in response to his prayers before the cross. We have a higher motivation. But we have the Son of God. In the book of Revelation, one title is given to Jesus more than any in the entire book of Revelation. And it's Lamb, the Lamb, the Lamb, the Lamb, the Lamb, the Lamb. Worthy is who? The Lamb. The substitute, the sacrifice lamb. And when we serve him from the heart, he blesses us with heavenly blessings and spiritual places. Hallelujah. And he blesses us in this world. Listen to Psalm 50 and we'll close. Everybody say, I'm watching my heart. God wants to stimulate love from the heart. Wouldn't it be wonderful to see people who deny themselves and take up their cross without a frown. Who denied themselves and take up their cross and say, I'm so happy to be a servant of Jesus Christ. I'm so glad. Hallelujah. Have you ever had someone that you asked for a favor and you knew them enough to know they were sincere when they said back to you, I'd be glad to or I'd be happy to. 
See, God's not just looking for you to just do it. He's looking for you to be glad to. Serve the Lord with what attitude? Before the activity. Attitude precedes activity. And if the attitude is incorrect, the activity can't be blessed even though it's correct. Serve the Lord with gladness of heart. Serve the Lord with gladness. All ye lands, come into His gates with thanksgiving. Enter His courts with praise. His gates with thanksgiving and come before His presence with singing. (laughs) Serve the Lord with gladness. Everybody say two sides of the coin. i got to hurry. Deuteronomy 28 says, If you hearken diligently to the voice of the Lord your God to observe and to do all that I command you this day, now we understand the heart attitude has to be precede the obedience and produce the obedience. The obedience is out of devotion, not just duty. Can you say, listen to me carefully. These blessings will come on you. And they shall overtake you. You'll be blessed in the city. You'll be blessed in the field. Some One year Dallas was one of the best cities to move to. To be financially secure and get ahead. That was a long time ago. I don't know what city. If there's any like that anymore. But it's not where you are geographically. Because he said whether you're in the city. Or whether you're in the field. Whether you're an executive in the office, the CEO, or whether you're a farmer in a field, I'm going to bless you. It's where you are spiritually in relation to Him. These blessings will come on you and overtake you. You'll be blessed in the city, blessed in the field, blessed when you go in and blessed when you come out. Hallelujah. Amen. Woo! Now we're shouting because we're on that side of the coin. Everybody say, Woo! Boy, that's pretty good. Amen. For a Sunday morning, that's real good. We can shout over them blessings. I shout over them blessings. I like the idea. I need, I need two blessings. Goodness. Surely goodness. Come on, I need I know you I know not after the I know we're we're I'm not talking about that kind of good. I'm just this is an illustration. You don't have to be sinlessly perfect. Okay. All right. He said, in that case, I can do this. Praise God. Amen. Hallelujah. I need, I need another. Can you be my blessing? Goodness. Your mercy. Okay. Surely what? Goodness and mercy shall follow me. Can you all follow me, you think? Come on. Let's go. All the days of my life. Amen. Goodness and mercy are following me because these blessings shall come upon me and they shall overtake me. You've got to catch me. Come on. I'm an old man. Come on. Catch me. Catch me. All right. These blessings will come on you. Come on. We're trying to get God to bless what we're doing. It's time we start doing what God is blessing. Can you say man? These blessings shall come on you. These blessings shall overtake you. God said, I will find you. I will bless you. I don't care where you are. In the city or in the field. Hallelujah. I bless the fruit of your ground. The fruit of your, your increase of your cattle. I bless your storehouse. You can be seated. Mercy and goodness. But you get halfway through Deuteronomy 28. You got the other side of the coin. 
If you do not hearken to the voice of the Lord your God to observe and to do all I command you if you don't love me and show gratitude through obedience. How shall I say thanks? Not just by giving praise, but by living praise. If a man love me, he'll keep my commandments. These curses shall come upon you. And they shall overtake you. Cursed thou shalt be in the city. Cursed thou shalt be. You can move to one of the most lucrative cities in America and not get ahead. In fact, when Israel did that, he said, you're making all kinds of money. You're making money hand over fist. But you're putting it into bags with holes. It just don't go nowhere. Because it don't have God's blessing on it. And you know why? He said, because you dwell in your sealed houses. You have built your house and put the roof on it and moved in it. And left my house undone. People come to church and say, what's in it for me? Instead of what can I do for him? And you wonder why he can't bless that. It happened to ancient Israel. Not only was the activity wrong, and the reason the activity was wrong because the heart attitude was wrong. And right down in Deuteronomy 28, it says, Because thou, the reason for their disobedience was ingratitude. Ingratitude. Everybody say it with me. Ingratitude. Does anybody have that scripture? Maybe verse 14, somewhere down there. Before the curses start, there was a reason for the curses, and it, the reason was clearly disobedience. But what, what caused, what was the iniquity? 47. Isaiah, Deuteronomy 28, 47. Because thou servest, would you, wait a minute, I want you to read that. Because thou serves not the Lord thy God with joyfulness and with gladness of heart for the abundance of all things. Because thou servest not the Lord thy God with joyfulness and gladness of heart. What? Because thou servest not. He didn't say because you don't serve me at all, but because you don't serve me with the right attitude. You're not listening because you don't love me. But you're practicing your religion. And it's that deadness and that wrongness in the church of Jesus Christ that is holding back revival. It isn't sin and it isn't Satan and it isn't the culture. It is people sitting in church on Sunday that don't love Christ and they're not willing to deal with it. They don't see that they owe Him anything, but they think He owes them everything. And we got preachers propagating that message and feeding the selfishness instead of calling for the selflessness that's an imperative to follow Jesus. First prerequisite for following Christ is not what can he, what's in it for me. The first prerequisite for following Christ is deny yourself. Because the next prerequisite is taking up your cross. And unless self has been thoroughly dealt with, nobody in this room is going to sacrifice or suffer for his sake. Getting your income tax time, you get a break in America. 
I think it's Ireland. You can check this. Or Scotland. They tax your giving. It costs you to give. There's no break in it. Some businesses are going to give it to some charity because they'd rather give it to a charity than give it to Uncle Sam. He's going to get it if they don't give it. You don't have to love the charity. And you don't have to love the Lord to just try to get blessings from Him. But you've got to love the Lord for Him to release those blessings in your life. You can't. When I went and preached in the jail system, I'd never preached in the jail system before. And the warden, assistant warden that came to our church, he told me, he said, have you ever preached in the prison system before? Here in Tampa, I said, no, I haven't. I'm looking forward to it. Really, I was scared to death. But anyway, I prayed a lot and God came through until they could get a permanent person for that position. He says, remember this when you go in there. He said, be who you are. Be very real. Because you can't con a con. Amen. It's got to be real. It's got to be real. So I got real when we got in there. I, they asked me, they said, what are you doing here? Because a guy had come in, got in all the names of the people that had no family, and went around to churches and raised money so they could have underwear and handkerchiefs and some soap and just basic needs. And you know what he did with the money? After he went around to all those churches, he put the money in his own pocket, didn't give them nothing. And when Walter Heinrich, who was the sheriff, of that time found out about it amen the, the assistant warden told me the sheriff run him out of his county and said i should put you in jail but if you will get out of my county and never come back to a church or here or anywhere else in my county i will not prosecute you and put you in prison but if you step foot back in hillsborough county you're going to be the one in jail and all of those guys found out about that. And when I came in, they, they wondered, what is your motive? What are you doing here? Amen. And they asked me that. They said, how do you feel about being in here? 32 people in a, in a, in a, hold, a, a room they had designated, opened all the cell blocks, and there we sat for a Bible study. I said, I'm here because of what Jesus would do. The Jesus, the Christ of the Bible, if He could preach in any church in this city, the biggest and best church in this city, if He could spend one hour in Tampa, Florida, and He had the option of speaking in that church or coming here and talking to you. The Christ of the Bible said the well don't need a physician. Can you say amen? He would come here. If He only had one hour, He would share the gospel with you. He would invite you to receive Him as your Savior. He would come right into this place. He said, yeah, but how how do you feel about being here? I said, I don't like it. I don't like the noise. I don't like the language. I don't like the, the sense of the cell block doors closing behind me when I go down the hall. I don't like this place at all. It's a nice place to visit, but I wouldn't want to live here. Can you say, man? Amen. But in all honesty, I wasn't there because I wanted to be there. And there's nothing in it for me. This is because of the master that I serve. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. The well don't need a physician. But he was sent to seek and to save the lost. You are his priority today. Can you say man? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.
And they opened up and received the teaching, received the ministry. And God moved and saved some, some people for real. Hallelujah. And we lived long enough to see some people come out and go straight. Because they decided to follow Jesus. Hallelujah. Let me close with this. Let, let, me, let me read this. See, this is beautiful. I'm going to take this out of context and see if I can get a woo-woo from you again. This is a woo-hoo scripture. Everybody say woo-hoo. Oh, yeah, you're getting it. Psalm 50 and verse 15. It's one of those things you pull out of a promise box. Psalm 50 and verse 15. And call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver you, and thou shalt glorify me. Everybody say woohoo. Woo That's a good scripture, isn't it? How many know there's some scripture above it before you can claim it? And it's pulling these little promises out. And if it doesn't come through, we never look above it to see if we're fulfilling any principle. On our part of obedience or faith. Just pull out the promise God made out of its context. Just pull it out. Stand on it. Stomp your feet. Bind the devil. Accuse God. None of that is effective unless the principle is obeyed. And I've lived long enough to watch people stomp their feet. Bind the devil. Accuse God. And go home disappointed, disillusioned, and discouraged. God wants to change that. He really loves you today. And he said, when I answer, what happens when he answers? He said, thou shalt what? You'll glorify me when your prayer is answered. You won't be looking like that you lost your best friend and your old dog. Can you say amen? You'll look like somebody that God is helping with whatever you're facing in life. Hallelujah. Amen. It'll change your countenance because your circumstance is changing. Because thou servest not the Lord thy God with joyfulness and gladness of heart for all that he's given you, these curses will come. I don't care whose prayer line you're in. If you're under the curse, they can't pray you out of it. You have to change attitude and activity for that to change. That's called repentance. It's not crying alligator tears on Sunday and living for the devil on Monday. That's not repentance. It's a decision. I'm going to follow Jesus. Can you, he'll help you. Heaven's resources will be yours. But until you make that quality decision, there's nothing God can do. But when you do, God will help you to do it. I'm here today by the grace of God. I'm not sinlessly perfect, but he sees something in my heart. He sees my want to, my will to. And by the grace of God, he's helping me to, to get over myself <laughs> and, and, and to be forgiven of my sin. Hallelujah. And to not let sin reign as the ruling element of my life. I'm not saying I can't stumble, but I'm telling you, I, 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 the devil doesn't own me. The devil doesn't run me. He is not my master. Jesus is my Lord. Can you say amen? Hallelujah to the glory of God. Listen to it. Let's just back up one verse and read the verse before verse 15 that was the woohoo verse. Offer unto God thanksgiving. 
attitude. I got to put it in context and we will close. Psalm 50 said, I'm going to begin with verse 1. It's a psalm of Asaph, not of David. The mighty God, even the Lord, has spoken and called the earth from the rising of the sun to the going down of the same thereof. Out of Zion, the perfection of beauty, God has shined. Our God shall come and shall not keep silence. A fire shall devour before Him, and it shall be very tempestuous round about Him. He shall call the heavens from above and to the earth that He may judge who? His people. Where's judgment begin? Atlantic City? The White House? The Whorehouse? No. Where's judgment begin? The brothel? No. The gambling casino? No. Where does judgment begin? Why? Because we have the light. We have the knowledge of His will. We're making choices in light. They're making their choices in darkness. Gather my saints together unto me. Those that have made a covenant with me by sacrifice. See, the sacrificial system was being kept to the letter. And the heavens shall declare His righteousness, for God is judge Himself. Salah. Hear, O my people, and I will speak, O Israel. I will testify against thee. I am God, even thy God. I will not reprove thee for thy sacrifices or thy bird offerings, which have been continually before me. In other words, I'm not going to reprove you for something you were doing wrong in terms of practicing the right religion. According to my prescription, that's not the problem, he said. I will take no bullock. I'm not receiving anything you're offering, though I told you to offer it and you're doing it. I will take no bullock out of thy house, nor he goats out of thy folds. For every beast of the forest is mine, and the cattle of a thousand hills. I know all the fowls of the mountains and the wild beasts of the field are mine. If I were hungry, I would not tell thee. For the world is mine, and the fullness thereof. Will I eat the flesh of bulls or drink the blood of goats? Are you doing God some kind of favor when you offer these sacrifices just in the practice of your religion? You think you're feeding a need in God? No, you're the one that needs the sin sacrifice. You're the one that needs forgiveness. You're the one that needs the grace. You're not doing me a favor when you do what I tell you to do. What disqualified all of this? What always disqualifies promises from God? Listen to it carefully. Oh, Lord, I've preached so many years and seen this operate so many times. I say this with a broken heart, but until God's people decide they want to devote their life to Him, we're playing a silly, losing, spiritual game. And somebody ought to have been teaching you this from the beginning. Somebody ought to have been telling you this. Instead of just pulling promises out of context. So that not only do you get disappointed, discouraged, and disillusioned. You end up pointing the finger at God and questioning His faithfulness. 
And when you need him the most, that's not what you need. You need a faith that said, my God is faithful. My God is true. His word is, is he watches over to perform it. And he's going to perform good in my life. I want to see people blessed. I want to be blessed. Hallelujah. Praise God. Verse 14, offer unto thy God thanksgiving and pay thy vows to the Most High. And call upon me, then do it. Not before you do this, but when you do this with the right attitude of gratitude. Everybody say attitude of gratitude. And then do what? And then call on me in the time of trouble. What's going to happen? What, what has changed? Is it your great faith or is it your thankfulness? Don't take a lot of faith to get God to do what he wants to do. Don't take a lot of faith to get God to do what he promised to do. Don't take a lot of faith to get God to do what He purposed to do. But all the faith in the world can't get Him to do what He said I won't do until this is corrected. So we go to faith seminars to build our faith to get what we want. We hardly ever go to a devotion seminar to get what He wills. But if we ask according to His will... He heareth us. <laughs> Hallelujah. This is the confidence we have in Him. And you can't ask according to His will until you say, not my will, but thy will be done. And nobody's going to do that until you love Him enough to say, I don't want my way, I want your will. Because pleasing you, Lord, is what pleases me. And that don't mean he's going to leave you penniless and broke and toe up, toe up from the flow up. That means he's going to bless you. Because the kingdom's going to be first. And he said, when the kingdom is first, you don't have to think what I'm going to eat, drink, or how I'm going to be clothed. Your father knows what you have need of. Hallelujah. 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 And then let's go down to the last verse in closing. Are you learning anything today from the word? Whoso offereth praise, this is praise that we understand according to verse 14, it's based on gratitude. It's praise from the heart. It's saying, I love you because you hear my prayer, my cry, my voice. You answer, you come through. I love you for, for the cross, Lord. I love you for what you've done for me. And I praise you. The fruit of my lips are going to continually bless your name. Whoso offereth praise glorifieth me. And to him that orders his conversation. That's not the words of praise or the melody of song. This word conversation means your lifestyle, your behavior. To him that orders his conversation aright. To him will I show. Here's something. Most of us just think of in New Testament terms, salvation. The salvation that comes through the blood of Christ didn't occur until after the cross. This is the old covenant word for deliverance. It's when God came through, when God showed up and God showed out in behalf of Israel. It's when He sent an angel, hallelujah, and slayed 185,000 troops while they slept. That was His salvation to Israel. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Church today preaches a powerless gospel and a God who is aloof in His heaven. And we just sit in the church and fare no better than the world. But we've got a God who said, you get it right and I'm going to come through. 
You get it right, you're going to see my glory. You get it right, you're going to see my healing. You get it right, you're going to see my deliverance. Hallelujah. He said in Jeremiah 33, 3, I think, or 333, Call upon me. Cry unto me. He said, I want to do it. You get, you get this right. You get this right. Because thou servest not the Lord thy God with joy and gladness of heart. That's gratitude, friend, for all that I've done for you. These curses are upon you. But in, serve the Lord with gladness all your lands and everything changes. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. These blessings will come on you. These blessings shall overtake you. Do you have Jeremiah 33, 3? What does it say? Call unto me, and I will answer thee, and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest. Wait a minute. Call upon me, and I will answer thee, and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. You know what that means? Not just intellectually know. Amen. What He's not talking about a revelation, but a realization of his help in the time of trouble. He said, oh, oh let's take it into the New Testament. Somebody stop me. Not really, but I'm going to stop in a minute. Come on, this gets, this gets significant. This gets wonderful. This gets powerful. God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we think or ask according to the power that worketh in us. Eye has not seen. That's what he's talking about. This is not about heaven. This is about here and now and the needs of our life and the God who promised to meet them. Hallelujah. Eye has not seen. Ear has not heard. It's never even entered into the heart of man what God hath prepared for them that love him. But He hath revealed them unto us by His Spirit. That's not heaven to come. That's here and now. His Spirit is here. Telling us here and now. God wants to hear you. God wants to help you. God wants to answer you. But He needs you to appreciate Him for what He's already given you. Make me want to order my conversation aright. Make me want to catch myself when I get up feeling like I've been jerked through a knothole backwards. And forget to give him thanksgiving. Instead of saying, Lord, why don't I have a big jerk? Oh, ain't everybody flocking to hear me. I'm preaching the truth and them people preaching crazy stuff. I don't care about the Bentley. I don't care about the Mercedes. I don't care about the Rolex. I care about people. That are following error. Being promised something that God will not deliver until these things are corrected. And then being accused of unfaithfulness by the very people that need His help so bad. Hallelujah. When I pray for someone up here, I don't want nothing in the way. I want every obstacle to answer prayer out of the way. You know what Pentecost has become? Churches. He mentioned a church just like what we become. Thou hast a name that liveth. You represent life, power, and presence. But thou art dead. Can you say, man, you'd be hard-pressed to find a miracle. A verifiable miracle in answer to prayer. With all the shouting, messages in tongues. Amen. You'd be hard-pressed to find his salvation. Come on, I'm, I've been there. I know 
what's going on. I know what pastors are after. Amen. We're after the building fund. I know when the choir sings without worshiping, sing well without worshiping, singing songs that would require hands raised and hearts melting, neither hands raised or hearts melt before the Lord. But the song is so nice. Oh, I love to see a church worship. I love to see the preacher worship every now and then. Can you say, man, even if he has got a sermon to preach, maybe if he'd worship God, he wouldn't have to be thinking what to preach. He'd be, he'd be thinking, how can I stop? Well, I'm kind of thinking how I can stop right now. How can I stop? Would you stand to your feet? Do you get where gratitude is behind everything? Everything. Everything. How are you serving God today? Why are you serving God today? Are you responding to Jesus on the cross for you? Or is there some hidden agenda, some ulterior motive that is keeping prayers and del- from being answered and deliverance from coming? That is holding it back. Are you claiming promises without obeying principles that are necessary for God to keep any promises ever made? Old and new covenant. Man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks on the heart. I want to get real And be right with God. I want Him to know why I'm preaching today. I'm not preaching for vain glory. 5,000 people shouldn't tempt me nor change me from who I am in Christ right here and right now. We don't need any more big shots in the pulpit. We need some followers of Jesus Christ. And how many know we need answers to prayer? Call upon me. That's prayer. Petition. And call upon me. Call upon me. The, the sacrifices will be accepted then. Your praise will be received then. Your prayers will be answered then. Can you say amen? And then start praying under these conditions. And see what happens. I will deliver you glory to god you order your conversation aright you're going to see the salvation of the lord can you say man hallelujah hallelujah when your praise is qualified by your heart attitude it's going to be received as incense a sweet smelling savor to god and god's going to show his good pleasure by coming through hallelujah 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 glory to god thank you lord thank you lord for a holy ghost driven revival not stimulated by riches not stimulated by silver or gold but stimulated by the cross of christ and the precious precious blood of jesus christ can you say man thank god for some people somewhere that's going to serve God because you love Him. Going to check your own heart out no matter how long you've been in church. Can you say, man, come on, your heart. Let, let me tell you something about your heart. I'm going, to, I'm, going to, I'm going to be a heart doctor. What do they call them? Cardiologists for just a little while. The heart of man, according to God Himself, is desperately wicked in its, in, in its natural, normal nature. It's desperately wicked above all things and deceitful. Amen. 
I'm serving the Lord because I love him. Yeah, okay. God says, okay, we'll see about that. Let me look in there. Let me, let me have a look. Let me see. You can say anything you want to say, do anything you want to do, but I'm going to look right in here to see if there's anything to back it up from the heart. The heart is desperately wicked above all things and deceitful. Who can know it? And that's why David said, I thought I had it together. I thought I was a righteous man. I didn't think there was any problem with me. He had a covered up, concealed sin that he thought was concealed and covered so deep that even God uh, couldn't see it. But a prophet came to him and said, a man had a little ewe lamb. That's the only thing he had is one little ewe lamb. He could probably, when it grew up, start him a herd with it. But there was another man that had more sheep than he knew what to do with. And you know what that man did? He went and took that little ewe lamb from that man and stole it from him. And David said, where is such a man? He deserves justice and I'm going to give it to him. And here's what is a shock to most of us since our heart is desperately wicked and deceitful. And the prophet pointed his finger right at him and said, David, you the man. You the man. You the man. Sometimes God is going to put his finger in my face and yours and say, you the man this morning. This is about you. And you know what? He's going to find out if you really love him or if you just come into church. If you want his blessing or if you're going to come out of here and accuse him of not being faithful because it don't come. Amen. God going to find out. Oh, by the way, if you hang around here long enough, we're going to find out too. Blessing is obvious. And so is the cursing. So if you, how many want the blessing? I can't tell you to love him. I can just tell you how much he loves you and hope that you'll love him back. That you'll reciprocate. Because if the cross isn't worth you loving him back, then the cross will do you no good. For me. It's got to have value again in our life. How many people in this room remember the first love? What it was like. Some of you have never found it yet, and I pray that you will in the future. We're going to preach things that will cause you to love Him if you have the will to love Him. How many people have experienced the first love in Christ? How many used to go to church because I just love the Lord? When that first love is burning, is that why you went to church? Because you love the Lord. Yeah, it's not a trick. I, I don't, I'm not, this, is the, this, is, this is not a trick one. I went to church. I, I wouldn't miss church. You know why? Because I loved it. I didn't have a lot to give, but I gave what I, what I could give. Because I loved Him. I listened to the Word intently. Because I loved Him. I wanted to hear what His will was for my life. I wanted to hear if there was anything. And I wanted to be able to pray David's prayer. And I must have prayed it. I prayed, Lord. David said, Lord, search me. Turn on that bright spotlight. Put it right on me and look right into the inner recesses of my heart and see if there's any unclean way in me and show it to me. Because why? Because if I judge myself in these matters and don't allow you to show me anything, my true self, I'm going to miss it again. I'm going to mess up again. 
And I don't want to mess up no more. Sin has consequences. And I've had all the sin I can hackjack. That's not in the New Testament, but that's just what I'm saying. I don't want to live for the devil anymore. I don't want to be deceived anymore. I want to truly live for God. And boy, didn't he do it. And God took ashes and gave him beauty. And God turned his life around. He suffered consequences for his sin. But after the chastisement and the correction, he truly repented. He is in the history books as one of the greatest kings of Israel. Hallelujah. Amen. And to honor Jesus, what did they call him because he came through that lineage? Son of David. (laughs) Hallelujah. Before they knew him by revelation as son of God, they knew him according to the flesh as son of David. And it was an honor to call him that. Glory to God. Amen. And amen. And amen. Praise the Lord. I don't know about you, but my heart... I feel fire down in my heart and my soul. I want to I wanna see God move again among His people. I want to see people with cancer healed. I want to see people demon-possessed, dispossessed. Can you say man? Hallelujah. I want to see people that are glad to serve God because He's blessing them. Because they are true servants of the Lord. I want to see people with a sense of devotion to Christ like that young man in your high school. Amen. That I believe is living out and fleshing out Christianity. And they, because he helped his fellow man, they got him in the, in the news and Tampa, Tampa Tribune and, and, the, and, the, and the Ledger and some of these other places. Just watching Christians live under the blessing and be a blessing. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. How many want blessings to come on you? Overtake you? Everybody say serving with joy and gladness of heart for the abundance of all that He's given us. Hallelujah. And watch what God does. He said, now call on me. It's going to be different this time. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you've been disappointed, discouraged. Call on me under these conditions and watch what happens. Can you say, man, and just watch what happens. Hallelujah. I've been searching my heart. Glory to God. Amen. You'd be amazed what's in there. Stuff you covered up, got dust on it, but it's in there. And you pull that old dusty cover off of it, and there it sits. You say, it don't belong in here. That don't belong in here. Lord, I want this attitude gone. I want this gratitude grown. I want these blessings to come. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Would you bow your head and think about it for just a moment? We're the redeemed in here. We're the ransomed. We're the blood-bought. Hallelujah. We have a Father in heaven, not a force in the universe. I'm a daddy. And I'm a Christian. God tells me as a Christian daddy, if I don't provide for my own, I have denied the faith. And I am worse than an infidel. Because I know better. And I know God is a good heavenly father. Hallelujah. He is a protector. He is a provider. He is a shield, therefore, for me. And that is my shield of faith. Did 
teaching faith without obedience and without devotion is teaching an erroneous, empty message that is falling flat. Thou, O Lord, art a shield for me, my glory, and the lifter of my head. If you're here today and you're not right with God, would you consider in this holy moment right where you stand, saying, Lord, I want to be right with you. I'm sorry I've sinned against you. I'm sorry I accused you. I want to be right with you. Open your heart to Him today. Hallelujah. 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 Do you have the oil of your spirit? Do you have that? I want to sing that before we... If you have to go, leave reverently. One of Jesus' names is wonderful. Counselor. Not wonderful and then counselor separated. It's a combined name. Wonderful counselor. And today... I counseled thee, he said, to Laodicea. I counseled you to buy me gold tried in the fire that you may be truly rich and anoint thine eyes with eye salve that thou mayest see yourself as I see you, not as you think you are or others think you are, but as I know you are. And he said, as hard as this is to hear, as many as I love, I rebuke. And I chasten. If he didn't love you, he wouldn't confront you with your sin. If he didn't love me, he wouldn't convict me of my sin. But he loves me. He accepts me the way that I come to the cross. But he loves me too much to leave me in Satan's prison house to be devastated and destroyed. He came to set the captive free. Glory be to God. Let's lift him up. How many people here have... Things in the heart.